Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Cool, buddy. Sorry, I just had to let um, my guy Dan in to pick some curtains. Hey, is he putting in silent curtain runners? Nadine? <laughs> Twin. Uh, how how, like, how do you feel? Is, that, is it over? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's the it's two hour. Week, right? How do you feel Dude. going into the end of this Twin Peaks finale? Man, it is really, uh, I mean, so many emotions, relief. Um, um, excitement, a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, you know, there'll be a, a somewhat of a void. I think it's been, it's been all encompassing at times. You know, I'm already. Uh, are you going to go back and watch any of it? No. I'm, are you ready to be done? Um, yes, I, I think I'm ready for. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to get out of David Lynch's sort of circle jerk. But I, I think <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, right? I, but here's the yeah. thing. I remember the end of season two. I remember Fire Walk with me. And so I know how David Lynch likes to end things. So we're, it, I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for what we're going to see. It's going to be like the New Mexico episode, where it's literally like David Lynch straps you in to a roller coaster and is like, you can't, you can't stop watching, but you want to, but you can't. And you don't know what's going on. I That's fine. He's, I think he's going to deliver something. I mean, he, he's got to. Just like, I don't know how he's going to do it in two hours or however long, you know, these episodes end up being. But like, it, it can't be more of, well, every time I say that, though, it's like, of course it can. Um, it can't be more of this long and winding journey. You know what I mean? I mean, like now that Dougie's gone, like they've got to do something. Is it just going to be two hours of like full bore though? I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. Let's talk some hornets. We'll do it. You are locked on hornets. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team, every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Douglas, Doug, you know, we always talk Twin Peaks and it's been, I don't know, 20 minutes since we did it. So Mm -hmm. have you thought about going with Dougie at all? Or what are your feelings on on, on Dougie after watching like 18 hours of of a main character called Dougie? Well, I I despise, by the end of that storyline, I despised (laughs) it. So no, I've I've never been a big fan of the nickname Dougie, but certainly that has been something that I've been called Dougie, Dougie Fresh. Uh, you know, those, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just sort of something that people immediately go to. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. I also like Doug. 
Uh, you know, I don't know that you're fine with it. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't yeah, not clearly, like I'm clearly it. over it. Uh, this is a great, this is going to be a great week of locked on Hornets because we're doing uh, fun topics. Uh, it's made especially by our producer, Captain Kurt, shout out to Captain Kurt uh, for these great topics that he's given us to really sort of round out our off season before we go hot and heavy. Five episodes a week beginning next week. We're back on our schedule. Subscribe to us on Overcast if you haven't already. Give us a star. Helps uh, helps our podcast climb the rankings. Plus, visit us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash LOH. And uh, you'd be getting these episodes early. We're posting these early on Patreon because Patreon's a way for you to uh, support this show financially. Helps us uh, get the things that we need to put on this great coverage of the Charlotte Hornets. And... It gets you access to content before anyone else. Plus, you can uh, sign up to get double entries into our ticket giveaways this year. So that's exciting, too. All right, the topic for this show is all about this Kyrie Irving-Isaiah Thomas trade that has, I think it's fair to say, upended the NBA this uh, you know early, early into the season. We're not even in the—I think we're out of the offseason. This is really— like we're about to enter the season, and we had this huge trade. It never stopped. It, it, it never really, stopped, it, it, Doug? it really never stopped. And that's, I'm sure the NBA loves that. I'm not sure the NBA loved how long it took this trade to complete. And I don't really think either of these teams looked very good, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't think Boston comes out of this looking good. They trade away Isaiah Thomas, who gave everything to that franchise you know, played a day after his sister died and, you know, was the heart and soul of that team and carried that Boston team through this post, you know, big three era, post-championship era that they were trying to figure out. And they show no loyalty to Isaiah Thomas and trade him for Kyrie Irving. Cleveland doesn't look good because they just tried to haggle with this deal and, and end up with this save face 2020 second round pick, but they look like they were ha- like your parents haggling at Best Buy. Like you can't haggle at Best Buy. Like once you get that far into the deal, you can't haggle anymore. Like the deal, uh, the deal is know, the deal. Man. I think once this thing's finalized, like people, some people may end up talking about how long this dragged on, you know, but eventually it's just going to be the transaction that happens. So I don't know that this, that'll carry too much forward. And, Honestly, I feel like it went on so long that that people became a little numb to it. So it was like any negative backlash that was coming either way. I mean, I think the backlash that I saw the most was like the burning of the jerseys, which was odd to burn the jersey of the guy that your team traded, I thought. Or even, you know, that that was a weird thing um, on either side. So again, people... I mean, a, block, a blockbuster trade. They're not... When they do that, they're not thinking. They they are literally reenacting something that they've seen on Twitter. It's like social media feeding into itself. You know, someone saw someone burn a jersey once and thought, "Oh yeah, that's what you do," and then they don't even really think about th- th- what it means or or the meaning behind it. They're just like, "Yeah, I'm going to burn this jersey and video it." Uh, be you know, yeah, it's, I don't. Stupid, I, but. It's it's silly. Here's some speculation though, because I saw Kevin O'Connor on the Ringer talk about how LeBron viewed this trade, and LeBron and and Tyron Lue both. Cool. Not, you know, after that hip injury news came out, they sort of cooled on the deal. And it seems like Dan Gilbert and the Cavaliers now operating like LeBron's gone. Like he's going to leave after next season. So, 
Isaiah Thomas is, I think this is the final year of his deal. So yeah. we could see Cleveland completely crater out if Boston's experiment with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward does not work. Suddenly, David, from a Hornets perspective, the East becomes a little bit wide open. And you've got the Hornets, you've got the Wizards, you've got the Bucks, and I'll throw the Raptors in there too. Four teams mm-hmm. that have a core of good to really good players. And, and you know, and, and the Wizards, I'd say, and the Raptors have star players. And the Bucks with Giannis. I mean, these are these are teams that have had players together for a long time. This could be a really competitive East come next season. Yeah, I mean, I think the Hornets definitely should be gearing up for a post-LeBron East. Um, they've got several more moves to make, in my mind, before they can get up into that conversation with those teams you mentioned, too. I mean, and, you know, don't forget about the Heat. They'll eventually be bounced back at some point. You know, Pat won't let them stay down there forever. Um, so... But yeah, I, I mean, I I don't I think the overwhelming assumption is that LeBron is gone. You never know, but I mean, I, I certainly think it's that way. I, I think there's too much that's gone on with that relationship in Cleveland for him to stick around there, and there's too much pointing to this Lakers thing, which is just incredible. Yeah, he, to think he's about, already but. he's already won championships. He's already dominated the East. Like, what's left for him to do in the East? I just think the West is going to come calling for LeBron and and it's going to be too much of a siren call. But so what this episode is about in the segment that Captain Kurt has put together for us is this trade almost fell apart. It almost got essentially vetoed because of that Isaiah Thomas hip injury. So Captain Kurt asked us, which Hornets trade over the years would we have vetoed? David. Yeah, so this is the trade I actually caped for uh, at the time. I defended it. But right now, looking back on it, even though the remnants of it are, are all but gone, um, I, I think given a do-over, I, I don't think I would have traded the 22nd pick in that 2016 draft for Ooh, Marco recent. Bellinelli. I mean, I, they, were, yeah, they were looking to add the shooting. We know it was a late first-round pick. Um, Malachi Richardson ended up being the pick. We, I mean, we, we, I mean, I guess we can assume that he would have ended up here in Charlotte, but I just think, you know, uh, holding on to those draft picks is becoming, you know, mm-hmm. an asset where Bellinelli brings you something, but I feel like you can get that in other ways, even being a late round pick, even though, even knowing their hesitancy to use those picks and lack of success they've had, I just still would rather have that pick right now, even though, Again, uh, Bellinelli was used in the swap for Dwight Howard. I feel like they could have found something to throw in there had that not been there. So I think maybe that one, um, you know, trading those draft picks for, you know, essentially a, a role player off the bench probably would redo that one. And and they, I guess their mentality was they wanted a veteran player because they wanted to get back to the playoffs. And we're, you know, all of this whole discussion that we're going to have is all hindsight 2020 kind of stuff. But I think it's almost too hindsight 2020 to say, well, they should have gone and drafted Malcolm Brogdon because everyone was concerned about his foot. Right. They still are. And and I think Cleveland was concerned about it when there were trade talks between um, them and the Bucks for Kyrie Irving, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton was thrown in there as well. But there's still concerns, I think, injury concerns with rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. So that's too 2020, I think. But yeah, I mean, they could have, if they had taken that flyer, and then 
you know, Roy Hibbert falls apart and and the team probably struggles yeah. a little more and maybe they get a higher draft pick in this past draft. You know, those are the kind of yeah. dominoes that fall because they really, I mean. And you never know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you never know. I just think at some point, like with this season, they finally started to add two draft picks that we think both of them will be able to contribute. And that's kind of a gap in this building plan. Uh, you know, when you miss out on the draft completely, you take yourself out of the running to to build up your base. Like like where Washington has done, you know, with a lot of their draft picks and adding some of those young guys and other teams too. But that's an area of the building blocks that I think the Hornets uh, need to address uh, because of, of moves like this. So I think maybe that could have helped. But to your point, even if it didn't, and maybe if it struggled even more, that team would have, uh, you know, you got the higher draft pick, so who knows. Yeah, and they don't have Marco to then trade for Dwight Howard. Yeah, again, I think maybe they could have found something else that worked, um, but but who knows? Are you ready for mine? I'm yeah, going. I'm going. You went 2016. I'm going way back. I'm going back mm-hmm. to 1995. <laughs> okay, we should have asked Rich Show about that one when we had him in the studio. Oh, well, listen, I'm going all. I'm going back to Bob Bass, Robert Bass. Yeah, yeah exactly. The Hornets acquired guard forward Glenn Rice, guard Khalid Reeves, and center Matt Geiger. The Geiger counter and a 1996 first-round draft pick from the Miami Heat in exchange for center Alonzo Mourning, LaRon Ellis, and uh, Pete Myers. So this is the the Zoe trade. Let me let me give a little background before I say why I would veto this trade. Alonzo was heading Pete into Myers his, was in that trade. Yeah. Wow. Alonzo was heading, kind of a throw-in, I think. Alonzo, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Maybe the Heat really liked his game. I don't know. I, I used to call it the Pete Myers trade. So. <laughs> All right, so Alonzo Mourning was heading into his fourth year in the league. Each year prior, he averaged 21 points, 10 rebounds, and three blocks. He, it's, he was already a Hornets all-timer. Incredible numbers. But it was time for contract extension talks. And if you remember a few shows ago, David, I explained to maybe some of the Charlotte Hornets newbies that the Hornets got a reputation for being kind of cheap. George Shin, the owner at the time, and the rest of the front office, a little bit on the cheap side in terms of retaining star talent. And this was the beginning of that, I think. The negotiations between owner George Shin and Alonzo Mourning were contentious and still to this day. They are disputed with Alonzo Mourning saying that the Hornets tried to lowball him essentially and George Shin, the owner at the time, insisting they gave him as much money as they could being that they were a small market team. And Zoe simply wanted to be a star in a bigger market and would not have taken the deal whatever it was. So you can see each side sort of trying to frame it and, and pin the blame on the other guy, according to Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer, team president Spencer Stolpen recalled the deal for Alonzo that the Hornets offered being an 11-year, $110 million contract. Now, the Hornets had just signed the previous year, previous offseason, they had just signed Larry Johnson to a 12-year, $84 million contract. So that was back in, again, that was back in another era when it was sort of, they were signing these hockey contracts it wasn't this four or five year, you know, six year max, uh, or or guys, you know, superstars signing one year deals. It was just a different era. You signed your rookie contract, and then when contract extensions time came, you got this humongous deal. 
which I mean, in terms of, you know, millions right. of dollars per year, not, not huge compared to today. But anyway, Alonzo turns that down, eventually gets, he ends up getting like eight for a hundred million from Miami. It was, a, it was a lot. It was significantly more when you talk about per year money, but the Hornets wanted to lock up Zoe for a lengthy amount of time. So Alonzo gets traded. Morning goes on to get two more consecutive all-stars and then have a resurgence in the early aughts and have three more all-star appearances and really cemented his legacy as an all-timer in the entire league. And, you know, his all-fame status ends up being with the Miami Heat instead of the Charlotte Hornets, which I think is just a damn shame. Because the Hornets had him, you know, in there. You just don't get talent like that every day. And and again, yeah. it just started a roller coaster. Now, Glenn Rice, let's just be fair to Glenn Rice, would go on to put up some of the best offensive numbers in Hornets history. But Alonzo was a once-in-a-generation guy. Glenn Rice would, would go on to have success with the Miami Heat. Well, he had it before coming to the Hornets and then would go on to the Lakers and, and have a uh, one or two more great years. So he doesn't, I mean, he's probably more associated with the Hornets than the Heat, but still, just tough. Just tough to see, even though he com- he comes back, he does a good thing and comes back, and, you know, the Hornets did a great job of honoring him. He'll always be a Miami Heat player, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a tough one because they traded what was, would probably have been the best player in uh, franchise history, right? But they probably got back, wouldn't you think, the best player in franchise history? I mean, it's odd. Um, but as we talked about, as you guys talked about last week, like, especially those early Hornets teams, there's not a lot of longevity with the star players, right? Like Mm -hmm. the guys like Dell and Muggsy, those guys were entrenched so so much, but the high talent level guys, LJ, Zoe, Glenn Rice, Eddie Jones, like the tip top cream of the crop guys weren't here that long. Um, And so that's just how it goes. But I mean, Glenn Rice definitely had some, you know, definitely had some good years here, but yeah, I mean, and you would have, you would have kept, you would have kept that era together. Like you would have kept the LJ Zoe. Yeah. It would have gone, I think it would have gone down as one of the the best. It already is sort of, even though it was brief, that's how powerful it was. But if you had kept that together for four or five more years, it, it would have been, it was, I think yeah, it would have competed. It was already like a cultural phenomenon almost, right? I mean, yeah. those are some of the teams you remember from the 90s and they didn't even really do anything. So if you'd had them together for a little while, added a few more pieces, man. And think, think about if you had done that and set the tone for the small market early, then you could have been like a San Antonio Spurs type of franchise where, yes, you're a small market, but people respect you as a winning organization that takes care of its players, and so they come play for you anyway. So I, I think there would have been a little bit of that going on. Also, here's the number one reason, though. I haven't even gotten to my number one reason. Final reason, I really don't like this trade and would have vetoed it, is because it led to the Hornets selecting Kobe Bryant in 1996. Because they, they would have a rough year post Zoe. They would get the 13th pick. They added that first rounder that they traded away or that they got back from Miami, excuse me, ended up being Tony Delk. But they had two. So they went ahead and took the flyer on Kobe and then turned that around to get, they needed more talent. So they had to trade Kobe to try, you know, got Eldon, got Eddie. <laughs> That's so funny. That needed more talent. So they shipped out Kobe. Uh, obviously, you know, at the time, uh, high school, no, no um, one, no one knew. Know. <laughs> uh, so well, knew. it would have, 
I think they would have been a better team, so they would have not been in position to draft Kobe. And then, you know, there's not that perception that the Hornets... What? It would have changed the whole landscape of the league potentially, Doug. Could have changed well, the whole no, what of the it league. would have done. Who knows, if, who knows if the Lakers find a partner? On they do. That That's the thing. That. The, the, he was going to be a Laker. There's no universe in the multiverse that doesn't have Kobe Bryant becoming a Los Angeles Laker. That's just how. That's that's what I try to get people to understand about that deal. Is that it wasn't about the Hornets giving up Kobe Bryant. It's about like Kobe wanted to go to Los Angeles, even though he won't admit it, and Los Angeles wanted Kobe Bryant. Jerry West wanted Kobe Bryant. So uh, it would have just been another team. It would have been the Milwaukee Bucks that would have had 9 million articles written about how they gave up Kobe Bryant. So that's why I would have vetoed that deal. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Hope you enjoyed that step back into Hornets history. And uh, we're going to be back on Thursday with um, a back-to-school segment from Captain Kurt. Which, uh, which Hornets would be teaching which subjects in school if they were teachers? So that's going to be a fun segment. We'll dive into that on a Thursday. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and get subscribed because we're going back to five shows a week beginning next Monday. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day for David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte.